With us today is Steve Cates, uh, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, and and he always uh, makes our uh, Sunday mornings enjoyable, and uh, uh, we look up in the skies and see what the heck is going on. Uh, Steve Cates, how are you this Sunday morning? Doing great, John. Good morning to you and the listeners. Good to be back here on the Cats Roundtable. So many interesting things, John, taking place. We start off our journey way out into the deep cosmos. How about this? A strange object in the universe that has a 20-minute repeating signal, and it's been going on for a long time. What the heck is it? Well, some say that this stellar object, 15,000 light years away, may indeed be a new class of something we call a magnetar. And what's that? That's a fast-spinning neutron star, a powerful magnetic field bursting out energy in milliseconds. But what's strange about this object is that it's repeating itself and doing this 22-minute cycle lasting for five minutes at a time. So it's like a whole new category as we continue to what? Open up our minds and find these objects that just baffle the imagination. Quite amazing. understand. Now, also, uh, 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 Steve... Uh, Senator Schumer has come out and uh, given a uh, that a bipartisan uh, uh, basis. Democrats and Republicans getting together to announce uh, uh, new findings or, or trying to to, to yes. work together. What do you think that means? Well, John, I think I you know I kind of salute Senator Schumer for doing this. I mean, whether it's just for political means, I hope not. But I think for science and the uh, giving the American people a true understanding of what's going on, he basically is trying to bring both sides to the table. And I guess the question has always been, why don't we ever get to know the truth about this UFO subject? So it goes deeper. This coming week, we find out later in the week we have a hearing, a House Oversight Committee hearing on Wednesday in which a uh, congressman, uh, Representative Tim Burchard of Tennessee, is actually, I believe, hearing, uh, you know, chairing these hearings. And they're going to have, actually, David Grush, the whistleblower, testify, and a few other people. So basically, what the senator's doing, and all these people, who knows, John, maybe we're getting to get an answer here. But let's hope this time we really do, right? Well, that's uh, everybody's praying for the truth, and uh, uh, there's a lot more than we know about, and... Uh it's scary uh, what we don't know. Uh, oh, absolutely. What else is going on up there? John, there's a big liability claim that may be coming from a place or, a, I guess, a constellation for satellites called Viasat 3. What's that? It's a broadband provider with a terabit speed from space. Now they're having a problem opening up and rolling out this massive reflector on the satellite so that they can, of course, make good and all the people that are signing up. The technology is great. But if indeed they have to file a lawsuit, it may be one of the largest in aerospace and space history. $420 million claim. That would be a big hit to the aerospace industry. But we have to look at it this way, John. There's other areas of insurance needs that have to be worked out in space. What are they? Well, the growing field of liability for people flying on commercial spacecraft, that certainly is one that the experts need to figure out, if anytime soon. But, John, the most bizarre one of all, which is common to human nature, we're getting close to a conversation about sex in space. And that's something that may, you know, roll back the eyes of people listening this morning. But we don't officially know if that's ever happened in space. But there's all kinds of things that we have to study about what happens when humans have sex in space. And can you imagine 
the first child conceived in space, that would almost be like somebody who was the first on the moon. That sounds pretty exciting. Well, we had Dr. Michalos on last week, and uh, when we were talking about those uh, storms on uh, the sun, they said the people, yeah. the people that are born during the period of time uh, when the storms are at its height uh, tend to live five years less. Well, I would imagine so, John. He's the expert in that medical area. I would never doubt that. But just to add on to it, any of those protons or extra radiation from the sun is not really a good thing. But in deep space, the biggest problem that space travelers have to, of course, work out is how to shield us from cosmic rays and all the neutrinos that are in space. Very, very powerful. But anything, John, well, I wanted now, to mention something interesting. Again, we talked about in the past, people going to Mars... And spending six months going to Mars, all those neutrinos and all those that radiation, yes. if you try to have a baby then, aren't you in deep trouble? You probably are, John, because that's a big issue. How much can spacecraft really shield you know, humans from radiation in space? That's a subject that really hasn't been figured out. But talking about space in closing, I wanted to, of course, reflect on Apollo 11 and some mysteries about it itself. The astronauts, when they returned to the Earth, many people may or may not know, NASA was worried about moon germs. So what did they do? They quarantined the astronauts for 21 days, never found anything bad. But on board Apollo 11, I didn't know this and had to do the research, there were actually pieces of the Wright Brothers flyer, small pieces indeed that went to the moon. And there was also another concern when the astronauts were on the moon, Armstrong and Aldrin. Believe it or not, they were worried about the hatch door locking when they went on the moon. Why? Because the hatch door opened inward, and if indeed the pressure inside was building up, let's say they didn't request it, but it did it on its own, the pressure door could not have been opened. So those feelings and problems, of course, never happened. But what about insurance for these astronauts when they went to the moon? What would happen if they never made it back, the two or three astronauts that went on Apollo 11? What they did, John, is something very interesting. They kept signing autographs in great volume every time they could, everywhere they could, just before they went on their space flight, just in case something might have happened if they never returned. Those autographs could, of course, bring their families much-needed revenue if they, of course, perished. They brought back 47 pounds of moon rocks were on the surface of the moon for about 22 hours as we salute the great mysteries and also the big facts of Apollo 11. And you get to see in the sky, John, if you look into the northeast sky, just around 2 a.m. to sunrise, starting now until early August, and into August, the beginning of the Perseid meteor shower, one of the best of the year. And if people are listening, of course, they are all over the country. They have a chance to get into dark skies as hopefully vacations continue. It's a beautiful sight to see, and uh, hopefully you yourself get to observe one of these, just like the rest of us. It's a privilege and honor to be here with you, John, talking about all these great realms. And we remind everybody to go to WABCRadio.com for the Dr. Sky experience. Always a privilege and honor to be here on the Cats Roundtable. Steve Cates, thank you for bringing everybody up to date. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. I hope we find out the truth someday. Absolutely, John. We'll be on it. Thank you.